Hey everyone, and uh, welcome to this evening's uh, Auckland Graffiti History discussion, which we'll be having with uh, Otis Frizzell, aka Opto. And I'm just going to actually send him a request now to join because he's already waiting. So, one second. You might get to avoid my little uh, preamble this time. Let's see. Yo, what's up? Huh? Are we good? How are you? Welcome, welcome. Sure, bro. <laughs> I'm I'm coming to you live from the Crown Plaza. Oh. In uh, Auckland City, doing my MIQ, my managed isolation right now. How long are you still in there for? Oh, I just got here yesterday. You got two weeks. Yes, yes, it's the start. So we can see out the window, there's like the, I guess, the yard <laughs> out there where it's the, the fourth level, like a uh, car park where people are allowed to exercise. Just got my negative COVID test. So I'll be able to go out there and do some exercise tomorrow and <laughs> watching people walking in circles and writing messages to all the very forlorn looking people up in the uh, higher floors that are looking down. You know, there's there's a few people that sit at, at their windows all day, every day, just staring out the window. They must be towards the end of the two weeks. Oh my god, like 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 a cat waiting for their owner to come home. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Some of us wave to each other. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, one day in, I haven't gone crazy yet. My hair's looking a little crazy, but you know. <laughs> Tell you what, bro. Um, I'll I'll holler at you after this because I took some hot sauce to a friend who was I delivered some hot sauce mm -hmm. to a friend who locked down because the food was sort of like he actually thought the food was all right but it was mm. wasn't that flavorful so I delivered no. lucky carbonated yeah man there's definitely an absence of spice um I think <laughs> uh once you you guys are all at level three until hopefully Saturday right so yeah um, after then, we're allowed to receive like care packages from people, but until then, it's it's strictly countdown and uh, Uber Eats. So, follow when you're allowed. Awesome, bro. I will. I will. All right. Well, okay. So let's get into it. So let's give a little bit of an introduction. So this is Otis Brazil. <laughs> we got that bit correct, uh, yeah. aka Opto. And so uh, you're basically you've been painting since 1984. Am I correct? Is when you got yeah. into it, 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 yeah, 1984 is as, as close as I can get it. Um, it's funny because a little while ago I was thinking, there's no way I was painting in 1984 because I was mm. 30. Mm -hmm. like, but I've still got, when they used to print uh, physical photographs at the photo mm -hmm. mat, they yep, used to yep. have a little date on the back. Mm -hmm. It's one of the pieces you actually posted on, my, on, the, on the setup for this. That very crude sort of opto with the green sort of sludge. On the top yep, and bottom. Yep. Sure yes, enough, yes. on the is nineteen eighty four, and I'm like, holy shit, that's a long time ago. Okay, so does your story start like some of the others, like Claude and Daryl and and Finer, who all talk about watching Star Wars as being the kind of flashpoint that you know yeah, inspired was, them initially? Well, it's funny hearing Daryl and um, Sol and Mert mm. talk about yeah the Tuesday documentary, but mm. uh, and and. I, I don't think I saw that. I wasn't I wasn't hip to it or didn't know it was on or <laughs> it just wasn't that wasn't in my scape. But mm -hmm. um me and you know, I can only 
this is only as accurate as my memory, my memory will allow it to be. But mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it happened for me in 1984 when um, Beat Street came mm -hmm. to the city in Aotearoa. Ah. Yep. And, and so before then, like I went to New York when I was seven. Right, um, right. Wow. I made a float in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, we rode the subway every day. So that was mm -hmm. in 1978. Yeah. And there were tags on the trains already. Yeah. And I'm sure that there were very crude bubbles and just very simple hollows and blocks and stuff like that. That mm -hmm. very first, first sort of fetal stages of graffiti art. And mm -hmm. I guess it might have just planted a seed deep inside me. And so I saw yeah. obviously an ad or a poster, however they used to do things before social media, for mm -hmm. um, Beat Street. And yeah. I went to the ad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it was just like, I was 13. I was into art. Mm -hmm. um, I had a memory of sort of black culture from New York from sort mm -hmm. of a few years previous. And it just blew my fucking mind. I was just like, mm -hmm. oh, my God. It was like... Oh, the colours and the break dancing and the rapping and the graffiti. I was like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. what? first of all, what is this? And second of all, it's like, how can I, how can I be part of it? You know, I, mm -hmm. I felt I didn't have a crew. Um, I was white. I was in New Zealand. You know, there was a lot mm -hmm. of, um, <laughs> not obstacles, but sort of reasons why it shouldn't connect with me. But, Mm -hmm. it, it, it connected with me and so the next day and, and it's funny because also uh, it's, I'm glad I, I, I saw the bros's talk before I came in because yeah. like when I went to the gas station yeah, nobody I was a 13 year old white kid in Mount Eden people weren't yeah. I, I wasn't a target of um, of scrutinization from security yeah. or from staff right and I remember yeah. getting one of my kids to go into the gas station and say he'd put a 20 into the Gallagher. Mm -hmm. right? Pretty sure it was Gallagher. And um, <laughs> he didn't get his game, right? Mm -hmm. so, the, mm -hmm. so the so the the staff member had to go to the machine and you know and use the key to open up the little lock and tap your credits in. And while he was yeah. in there, pulled open my backpack <laughs> and shoved about four um, spray coats into it. Mm -hmm. and it would be unprotected on the rack. So yeah. So I was just like, I mean, completely terrified. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a a, a well-schooled shoplifter or anything like that. But I was like, <laughs> I want. I got some cans. I was like, what do I do with them? It was like, and then the next day, also at school, we walked past a construction site and there was no mm -hmm. one there. We ducked yeah. in. There was a couple of cans of fluoros. Yeah. Right. It's like oh, <laughs> I've got some colours. I've got some fluoros. And it's like, I need to, okay, what am I going to do? Um, how do I be a graffiti person? <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, found a netball, or a handball court just down the road from my house in, in daylight, really. And just went mm -hmm. down and I was like, okay, um, well, I, I can't write Otis because my parents would mm -hmm. know that's me. Trouble with the law. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, rap. That was the yep. first I wrote because they wrapped Makes on sense. Yep. And a couple of fluoro, like rack fluoros I did until those cans ran out. And then um, sort of rack wasn't quite 
working for me. And so I started, you know, hard back to Beat Street. It's like Ramo. It's like um, maybe Otis is like Opto. And then opt, opt, Optical. Opto is a good word because it's like visual. So I came up with Opto. Did <laughs> planned my shit. He got my outlines and stuff, right? This is 13 years old. And waited till <laughs> sort of three in the morning and climbed down mm -hmm. my bedroom window and went up to mm -hmm. the Mount Eden and did my first full color piece. Took me about two or three hours, I'd say, from two in the morning to five in the morning, whatever. So your first and, your first piece was painted right at the Mount Eden Village shops? Yeah, word, word, word. Is it, it was on, it, now I think I've seen a photo of it. It's on the side, it was on the side of a place that then became like a cafe right on the corner, like an intersection, yeah. right? And it was a fruit shop and then a cafe and stuff. So, <laughs> and so, so I did, so I did that, but, and again, things get a little bit hazy now because once I'd done a couple of fluoros in that one piece, mm. talk about friends at school and had another friend who was sort of into it. His name was Shy, funnily enough. Back mm -hmm. then, I've got a photo of a piece we dedicated to David Longy for <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> yeah. We were all active and stuff like that. Our parents were quite active in the anti-apartheid mm. movement stuff, so mm. we were sort of aware of social... Of the of the possibility of writing social messages on with our pieces, mm -hmm. um, no nukes, stop the tour, David Longy, and um, mm -hmm. so I did a couple of bits and pieces with a couple of friends, but it never turned into a crew or anything. And mm. so, but it's a good learning curve because I remember, um, God, I remember doing a piece and trying to colour in my outline. I was like, this is a fucking nightmare. Surely there's a way. <laughs> and of course, me, it's like. Oh, you do the outline at the end. Mm. So <laughs> right, Mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. You, well, <laughs> you know, again, it's, it's so funny talking to, you know, young writers these days, and it's like because there's so much reference and so much mm. stuff to look at, it, photos and tutorials, mm -hmm. and you can buy caps and low-pressure paint mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Everything you did was a complete sort of a complete lesson at a time. But I remember mm -hmm. my my work just got so much better as soon as I did a loose colour job and then tightened it up with the outlines right. at the end. It's like, oh right. my God, this is how they do it. You know, yeah. moments like so and, and what school because did you grow up you grew up in like I, I think I remember did you live on Vermont Street? Like you grew up in Ponsonby, right? Yeah we moved to One Ponsonby in I think in 1985. Right, so I right. Or that. Mm, so mm. I, I, all my pieces were within about two or three kilometers from my house because <laughs> I find myself walking the train lines or anything like that. Yeah. So quite sort of uh, quite localized. <laughs> yeah. you know? But I worked with my brother for a couple of pieces as well. He's four mm. years old. And he I was, was going to say it. that because there's photos of you and your brother painting. I think you yeah. guys might have also painted at Altair Square on the hoardings down there at some point, which is something that Claude had, had spoken about, that they painted down there. Yeah, we did a, um, that was a Z Radio ZM competition, I think, and um, you had to submit, mm. your, you had to have a social conscience, you know, because yeah. they're trying to, all, all that constant effort of making graffiti sort of acceptable to the, to, you know, to the local right. community. And I did a Save mm. the Whales, I, I got quite a big wall, mm. and I did with my brother. That's right. Our whole relationship because up until then he'd just been my big brother and he was a shit and he used to slap me around and 
you know, and I hated him and he hated me, but all of a sudden we sort of had something in common. So that we've, we've been close ever since. That's so awesome. I think it's, it's so amazing that you had the opportunity to travel to New York at such a, a young age. I think it's something that both you and Chris Graham sort of both had that kind of interesting connection to New York and kind of actually seeing it in the flesh, you know? Well, well, once you've been there, that, that was the thing, because once you've been to New York, you've seen the Empire mm. State Building, you, you'd seen, yeah, you'd seen, the, all of a sudden, you see the brownstones in Brooklyn, and all of a sudden Sesame Street becomes real, and not a set. Mm. You know, yeah, like yeah. That, it's <laughs> right there. So, mm. um, and again, it's funny what Daryl said, which is, which is, I hadn't really thought of, but it's a great memory, is that once you're sort of aware of it, you watch a sort of any sort of cop movie set in New York, mm. mm -hmm. time, like oh, there's little lits of stuff in the background and in mm. the alleyway, always sort of badly done graffiti. It's like ah, oh, you, you sort of have to you'd have to grab your snippets where you could get them. Yeah, it's, it was our Google search. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. I guess it's it's the old kind of adage like once you see it, you can't unsee it. You know, you start to see it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, but and, but and, and then, it changes. Well, well that's right, and because then it evolve, and then and then then you get hit to music videos, and you know the mm. you know the the uh, Blondie's Rapture video is a great one, and Buffalo Girls, and mm. and then you, then it sort of um, it, you know, and then it starts to become part of the landscape, and you sort of absorb it from there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's pretty amazing. And then it's like, it's not really that much later in the kind of timeline that um, that you start to kind of generate some of this media, this content, the stuff that my generation starts to look at and sponge. Like I, I, I talked about that a bit with Daryl. And obviously there's a huge amount of overlap with yours and his career because you guys have kind of come together for the music and for the art and um, sort of together you guys, you know, uh, you made music, you brought the graffiti component, that visual component into the music naturally because it was something you guys both did. But you also spent a lot of time uh, tutoring and mentoring a lot of a lot of young people as well and, and painting murals together. So yeah, kind of talk us through that, that kind of, you know, convergence of everything. Like, I guess we could talk a little bit about, you know, your, mu your early music w with Mark and, and how, because you guys were still s school kids when, when you did that, right? Yeah, well, we started rapping together in pro in like fifth form. So when we were fifteen, mm. us. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's what school were you guys at? At Selwyn College. Oh right. And okay, cool. Going for Auckland boys, but I kicked and screamed because I didn't want to wear a uniform and I didn't, you know, and I like girls or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. high school, man. There's got to be some girls around. Um, yeah. So it's sort of, and they had a good sort of art program and a music sort of program and drama so my folks were yeah. at least they realized that my, my vibe was in a sort of artistic and not an mm -hmm. academic realm so yeah, I yeah. Was, and it did and I and I did meet other people interested in graffiti interested in hip-hop and interested in mm. the things that turned me on so so I was lucky to be there and it's yeah. um and I and I did I mean I did crazy walls there was you know I was bombing whole you know, sides of bars and, you know, when I was really young doing these quite big jobs. Yeah. But mm -hmm. it's, it's funny, it's it's important to note, and it's funny one, because this has sort of followed me in my whole graffiti career, is that, like, um, I, like I was, because I never, I never wanted to be a badass. I was never notorious. Mm. 
and I mm -hmm. never craved um, I never craved this sort of um, notorious aspect of it. That wasn't me. Mm -hmm. So I was quite keen to do legal walls. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I, mm -hmm. I would go to shops with photos and say, you know, how much are you paying on repainting your walls? And they'd be like, oh, it costs us a couple hundred bucks. They'll be like, well, give me a couple hundred bucks and I'll paint it. What do you want me yeah. to, you know, video shop and I'll be like, can I paint Robocop on your wall? Because you've got the Robocop VHS. You know, yeah, of, yeah. I, I just wanted to paint on walls. And and so, mm -hmm. and it's funny, later on in the kind of career as, as graffiti art sort of took off, people be like, oh, mm -hmm. Otis sold out, man. He's a sellout. He's a commercial right, right. artist. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I didn't sell out. That's kind of, that's what I wanted to do. It's really, it, mm. it, it, for someone to say you're just a sellout, it kind of never really hurt me because it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't sold out of anything. I just want to paint, you know, and I'll yeah. be a, my dad's an artist, so I'd quite like to be an artist yeah. like my dad. So that do, you was think, sort of... do you think that, that did sort of shift your perspective a little bit? Because, like, from my understanding, like, he even um, collaborated with you on, on a couple of early murals. I mean, obviously, you guys have collaborated more recently, too, but there are photos of, of there was a one uh, that was in the laneway just up behind Queen Street it was there for a long time that I, that you guys had painted. Oh, I've seen possibly, yeah, Queen. you did it with your dad, right? Massive. Yeah. I mean, so I did that, <laughs> that was 1986 when I was like 15, yeah. yeah, 20 feet high and 80 feet long. Those are two yeah. massive walls. And yeah. again, um, my idea there was I'll do a cartoon of Queen Street. Mm -hmm. And I'll the sort of so the McDonald's that I'd go and eat McDonald's at the cinema where I'd go and see movies and the King's mm -hmm. Cowboy. You know, it's like I'm going to take all these and sort of turn it into a a collage of an urban environment that I that I exist in. You know, that was sort of I was I was just trying to paint the town. You know what I mean? I wasn't yeah. trying to establish. It's it's really funny, Elliot, because my um mm. my whole philosophy from a young age. Mm. I meet some people and they're like, man, you did so much. It's really great. It's really sort of important stuff. But at the time, it's not important. There's nothing yeah. about it. I'm not mm. trying to have a profound effect on anyone. I'm just doing what I love. And I sort of, yeah. the for me now, because I'm, like, I'm 50 this year. So mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like, it's all about participation for me. That I was just happy to participate in a culture that, re that turned me on. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. so I, I'm, 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 I was never like, I'm the best rapper. I was like, I'm a rapper. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Graffiti artist. It's like, I'm a graffiti artist. I just wanted yeah. to. But the amazing thing about that, and that's what history, that's what you kind of learn with hindsight and being being older, is, is that if you do participate in a culture that you care about, then mm -hmm. history, places, and the, the importance comes from provenance and history and stuff like that, which is mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. great. So, and as I grew older, it's like I did graffiti pieces for Concord Dawn. You know, I was, mm -hmm. I was lent, you know, graffiti art and manga to drum and bass. And so, and I've, so mm -hmm. I've got a the Aotearoa's drum mm -hmm. and bass history. And, it's, and I've done all this. It, it allowed me to um, participate in all this great mm -hmm. shit. Yeah, yeah. I wonder with the, with the mural with your dad, the Queen Street mural, was that like a situation where they approached him? And I sent him to a mural, and he was like, "Well, you know what? My son's into this thing, and this is kind of interesting. Let's." Or this no, the other way around. And yeah, you were because... like, "Dad, come, come, jump on this wall with me." Yeah, I think I done a piece. 
my sister's shop in Cook Street Market. Mm. I think this was a chain of events. And yeah. from the council saw it and approached her and said, who did this? We're looking for some you know, graffiti art for a big wall project in town. She mm -hmm. gave them money, but they were like, it's this big and it's this tall. And I was like, well, I don't have a crew and it's just too yeah. big to possibly fathom by myself. And mm -hmm. dad and dad is an artist so, and he's quite good at breaking it down and scaling it up and he can sort of, mm -hmm. he can see large. So I was just mm. like, yeah, Pop, I've got this big job. And it was really great actually because I was moving to London the next year for one year to live mm -hmm. with my aunt and mm -hmm. um dad was like okay well I'll help I'll help you paint it but yeah. you can keep the money keep the money mm -hmm. and that be mm -hmm. your your sort of your spend for when you hit London it's like ah oh, so yeah so, and that's really so cool I did sits form in London yeah man so do you have much of a recollection of the graffiti scene in London at that time while you were living there not really, but I did hook up mm. with a few pros that, mm. that ended up the VOP crew in London. I don't know if you that. Um, mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I didn't. But I just bonded, you know, local skate parks and stuff. I, I wasn't really mm -hmm. very. Active. But by the time I was sixteen, you know, I'd sort of settled into a groove, and you know, I wasn't super active in it, but I was just sort mm. of bits and pieces and people would find out and be like oh, come on we're going out down to the skate park and brooks yeah. come and come and do a piece and it's like yeah, yeah mm. do a bit. you know and had a yeah, bit yeah. of the vop um dane's his name so uh, he's still he's still doing stuff actually but he's sort of doing sign writing and stuff now he's a bit mm. like a bit like you and i bro he's sort of he, he's the, sort of the evolution of graffiti art into yeah he's got doing paid jobs and sort of mm -hmm. maybe he's got a mortgage mm -hmm. or something you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. So, because like, um, yeah, the first, what's yeah. that? Yeah, a funny story from way, way, way back when, when I moved mm. from to Ponsonby. Mm -hmm. um, Ponsonby was a very different place in the mid 80s. Yes, it was. Yes, um, it was. It is, um, you know, in my eyes, maybe a more beautiful place, but, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, we complain about gentrification until we're blue in the face, but it's, mm -hmm. a, it's, a, it's a train you can't stop. It's mm. um, I um I went out one night to the Toll Bowl, you know Toll Street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Toll to, Street. Yep. To do an opdo one night in mm -hmm. the middle of the, and I was sort of halfway through it, and this pretty heavy guy came up to me and he was like, "What the fuck do you think you're doing?" And I was like, mm. "I'm just um, doing some graffiti," and he's mm -hmm. like, "What are you writing?" And I was like, "Opdo." He said, "No, you're not." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He says, "You're writing KCs." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> but like, so, and him and a couple of his, so these were sort of young prospects or whatever. And back in the day, mm. they came mm. came down, few beers, watched me finish mm -hmm. my opto, did a big KC's on the bowl. Yeah, you know? no, like three days. You know, I didn't get I didn't get the slap because I could I could put them up. You know what I mean? And it's mm -hmm. it's they never gave me any protection from the KCs or, or gave me, a, you know, a, an in with them. But it was just a mm. situation how Ponsonby was quite different than Mount Eden. You know what I mean? Oh, That's yeah, yeah. But a good... And, I, I mean, I kind of caught the tail end of, of that Ponsonby. Like, I sort of, I have recollections of coming to, to Auckland. You know, we moved to Auckland in 84. 
and came from Palmerston North and we lived lived next to Greyland Park. So Ponsonby was kind of the place where my mum would like to go up and walk around and she had friends, you know, because they were in the punk scene. So they had friends that lived and were kind of squatting and, and some of the buildings that are now kind of bougie kind of yeah, restaurants yeah. And, and sort of sort of boutique uh, ceramic stores and, and things, well, you know, and they were really rough places. Because, like, I mean, like, Mark and I were getting into hip-hop mm. around the time. Yeah. I'd say, like, seven, funnily enough. And, like, and but I knew, like, a bunch of um, Auckland skins, Auckland punks, the boot girls, right? Mm. And it's funny, talk about skinheads and boot girls, people are, like, people instantly think of, like, Nazi punks, for example. Yeah, Skins, yeah. sort mm -hmm. of fashion. It's like, it's like yeah. no, no, these guys, I was, these guys we were hanging with buying tinnies from, they weren't fascists. They weren't Nazis. They weren't racists. They, no. they were half. They were half Maori, Pacific Islander, and white. You mm -hmm. know this mm -hmm. mashup of of brown and white punk rockers and skinheads. Yeah. These a great, really, just cool people. So and so, Mark and I. One of the first songs we wrote was called um, Doctor Martin's MCO Chase yeah. Boots. So right. We performed it at the boot girls at the yearly boot girls parties. You know, so right. we'd go. We'd, <laughs> One weekend we'd go and roll with the twelve tribes of Israel mm -hmm. at, at the Rasta HQ on Ponsby Road. Then the yep. next week we'd be at a house party in Remuera with some kids from Salon College. Then the next yep. weekend we'd be at the Boot Girls annual throwdown, rocking, you know. So and it's funny, and so and you know, again, music, art, all rolling into the same thing, sort of. Yeah, and all of it just slipping around. What, what a time. You know, it's funny yeah. because, you know, like I, I, I sort of mentioned with, with Daryl, you know, like obviously Up Up Posse were like the first um, group that I knew of, local group that had a record, you know, had a single. But also I think around the same time it was you and, and, and Mark, MCOJ and Rhythm yeah. Slave, because I, I, I bought Positivity, the, the single, when amazing. I was uh, 11 so, years old. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> yes. uh, um, it was... um. I mean, it was great because Mark and I had no idea what we were doing. And again, we sort of fell into it. We were just rapping at parties and sort of sneaking into clubs and freestyling with, I don't know, Roger Perry and, you know, like finding DJs that would play beats for us and stuff. And of course, that's how we met Daryl, hip, mm -hmm. uh, hip hop interest. Upper Heart Posse came, you know, definitely came before us. And we sort of, um, well, it's funny, we didn't idolize them so much as we, it, we, they just sort of, they just made it all seem possible. That's yeah. what Up Up did. It, it wasn't like they're the greatest thing in the world. It's just like, oh my God, these guys, these kids have just done it because they just kicked the door down. They didn't ask mm -hmm. nobody. Sort of like, mm -hmm. and, and that's a very inspirational thing to sort of, you yeah. know, to be confronted with these kids. And they're like, fuck it. And, and of course, they were um, followed by like a bullshit reputation of being anti-white and all of that. And it's just like, you know, we met them, it's like, these guys aren't anti-white. They're just anti-bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's quite <laughs> and we would do gigs with them and we made friends with Daryl because he, I mean, Daryl, Daryl was clever. He And he saw that um, we, uh, we had a potential, you know, a, maybe uh, 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 just potential to, to broaden his audience space. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and we together we made really great music, man. I mean, no doubt, some of their old joint stuff is just fucking banging to this day. I'm super proud of yeah. it. Yeah, 
Well, I, I remember, you know, my first kind of experiences of going to all-age gigs uh, in Auckland, there used to be a lot of all-age hip-hop shows at uh, the Power Station. So, yeah. I mean, I saw I saw you guys and your kind of various incarnations. I saw you guys as MCOJ Rhythm Slave. I saw you guys come about as Joint Force. I watched all that and used to go to the shows and it was often you guys. And then, you know, you would have a lot of different people. You'd have like um, Pacific and Descendants and Radio Backstab and Urban Disturbance. And like, there was a lot of groups that were all playing. And we were super young. So in the audience, there would be like, uh, you know, people like myself, Levi Hawkins, we were all at yep. these shows, you know, as yep. little little guys, you know, and these are very formative moments. And it just seemed it, like... Yeah, too, because, mm. again, you know, like, the crowd would be full of different people. No, just big throwdowns. And then we'd do, like, mm. it was another great example of just sort of broadening the audience. Because, you know, Auckland's small. Aotearoa is small. It's like, you're going to be into hip-hop and play to this many people? Or are you going to do a yeah. hip-hop reggae gig and play to yeah. this many people? Or are you going to yeah. do a hip-hop rock and roll punk gig like we we did yeah. gigs at um what was it what what were they called what was the um album ice t did what was ice t's um body count body count movie judgment day we used to mm -hmm. do judgment oh the judgment um hip-hop is would pair up with local punks or rock and roll oh. and we'd do gigs where yeah we, mcs would rap with live rock bands and they fucking bang and huge nights and then and the the crowd was just full of all the stinkiest sort of <laughs> punks and all yeah, the yeah. hip-hop heads you know what yeah, i mean talk, yeah. talk about bringing it all together you know what i mean those were great nights i i, I listened to the audiobook parks told me to to get it you know the the beastie boys book and it talks about like the kind of the beginnings of, of their career being very similar you know and like everybody kind of like going to the, the downtown kind of scene and converging. And it was where, you know, it's a beautiful thing that happens when all those kind of cultures, kind of all those people come together, you know, that's what, that's the magic, the magic moment. Uh, well, it, the, because the thing is, it's usually like the media or somebody with a vested interest who are saying that we're all enemies, you know, mm -hmm, until mm -hmm. it means we're just the same. It's like, you're brown, I'm white, punk, hip-hop. We're all after the same thing. We all just want to have a good time and sort of have a drink and listen to some music. You know what I mean? There's no mm -hmm. difference. But it's sort of like, Absolutely. well, the punks and the hip-hop guys all hate each other. It's like, no, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin Work just popped up with a question. He's just saying, um, do you remember any other names at the time you were painting, like in the early days? Well, um, Jeff and Rick, then, like, I've got to mm. shout out, because they were doing pretty red you know quite decent feature walls with really they had yeah. good i don't know i feel like they had tapped into some source of cool shit that i can get my hands on or something because i'd see their pieces and it's like ah oh, they do like a garfield character with like stoke character and they just said mm. they were good always had dripping pipes and they, they were sort of into some mm. cool shit and of who, course, who were they did you ever did you ever encounter jeff and rick i've kind of facebook connected up with um the 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 Jeff half of Jeff and Rick just just mm. by passing crazily on on social media years later, but never really knew them. But mm. of course, there was Fly who was doing who was tagging everywhere when I was young, mm -hmm. uh, doing mm -hmm. doing drop shadow tags, which which yeah. also it's like there's no body to his yeah. writing, only a shadow, yeah, yeah. you know, and smooth <laughs> doing big productions. Yeah, and, you know, 
it, it's funny. It, it's uh, um, a photo, um, and, and it's, it's, so, it's so funny because I was so into it. I remember doing like <laughs> when I finally got my pieces looking good, I used to mm. write this smooth because I thought I was yeah. a bad because I was still being, right. I was doing illegal pieces and they were doing yeah. legal walls. And I was like, yeah, man, look at me. I'm a little illegal scallywag. And I'd write suck on this smooth. And um, <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> one of them, and I can't remember which one, but would come by and write, not worth sucking. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Did you guys ever, ever, did you that guys ever the... encounter each yeah, yeah no, did you we guys encounter each other. Competitions and stuff, you know, as mm. as time went by. But I mean, that was the yeah. extent of beef we had. It was like suck on this, yeah. like, not like ha ha, have a laugh. Let's go and paint a wall. <laughs> on, you know, you know, we weren't mm. um, aimed to blows at the combat zone. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, like, um, because around the time you guys did joint force. Um, and I've, I've thought about this a lot. Like, I think there's a real apex moment, you know, when you guys did that project because kind of at a very similar time, like you guys released that stuff, you released the burn time video that for a lot of us was like a real reference point because similar for you guys, we were kind of looking in the background for kind of technique and you know, product. Internet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mind blowing. Yeah. You got video. Yeah. And the level, the level was really amazing, you know, and um, and obviously Daff were like really doing their thing at that moment too. So like anything that kind of Merkster and Aaron were kind of involved with, I was like super geeked out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And um, you guys had um, obviously that was shot at Toast Heaven, which was your oh. your guys flat. Yeah, like which was amazing. I mean, for me, I used to go there. I popped my head in a few times and hung out. I'm not sure if you were there. I hung out with Mark there a few times. He was always really hospitable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, Mark yeah. was Mark was the um, you know, the, the, the I mean, that was Mark's. That's a big part of his legacy. You know what I mean? He put that together. Mm. He sort of yeah. He, you know, he he paid the lease. He sort of got it together, and the flatmates moved in. And Kirk Harding was living there for a while. Harold from Honolulu there for a while Greg Rewai wow. you know, yeah these are these are sort of formative times mm. and Mark created this because of course Mark as well is is a very is a welcoming kind of nature he's yes. not like oh you're old enough to hang out with us or who the fuck are you mm. he's like mm. come in we're building something sort of beautiful mm -hmm. here you know he's very accommodating yeah of course and it is funny because you know listen to to Merck you know, what up, Merck, by the way. I was just looking at some of his photos online. It's just like, man, mm. the paint. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Yeah, he, he was cool before there was technical in this country. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah. Him and Aaron were really on something different. You know what I mean? So, And it's funny because I was, you know, what do you call me? Like hip-hop light. <laughs> you mm. know? Right. But it's like, so I wasn't a badass and I wasn't out doing trains and I wasn't stealing paint. But... Mm. What I was doing is really good friends with Aaron B, really good friends mm. with me, good friends yeah. with Dad, all those yeah. guys. And and maybe it's because Slave and I created a space where they could actually, they could come out of the shadows a little bit and hang and sort mm -hmm. of, and, yeah, and be part of a sort of a slightly more sort of commercial thing than they were that that they was you know yeah come out of the shadows mm -hmm. and post seven and be in a music video and you know what I mean it's like. Yeah. 
you know, it's, and neither lifted, neither put the other one down or up. We just sort of met in the middle and it was kind of, you know, you know, like you say, Aaron B, what an amazing painter. What, a, you know, what yeah. an guy, you know, his. I know, I know. For, for me, for me, like Aaron um, really informed my sense of color, you know, because the, the, and me and me and Merck talked about it last week, but it, there was no, it seemed like to a, to someone who was just looking at it for the first time that there was no method to the madness. Like it, it was like there was uh, the outline color would change. The fill color would change the background. You know, it was all interchangeable and um yeah and, it, and and i could never work out if it was just like um a resource thing you know if it was an adhd thing of just you know if it was a psychedelic thing you know <laughs> well i mean i mean his draw you know he he's just you know he he worked at it and he he was mm. prolific but also yeah. don't forget you know some people are also sort of gifted artists yeah yeah, absolutely. Which some people was. have logged out for years and years, but some people have just got a a sense of balance, a mm. sense of style, a sense mm -hmm. of color. You can have that, and you can it can be learned, but also mm -hmm. you can have, it can just be part of yeah. your sort of your makeup. I mean, mm -hmm. even young Jay Disguise, remember Jay? Yeah. That, now that's somebody but, I wanted to talk about in this interview for sure. Well, I'm glad you well, brought him up. It was really beautiful, and his lines were really mm. straight. Yeah. Were really, it was on one. It was on the second um, on the Wall of Fame in New Lynn. Mm. Oh, that very, piece was great. It was a very very tidy piece, and he had only done like mm. two pieces, I think, before that, or maybe three. Right, right. And it, yeah, you know, and I was just, it's, you know, it's like he's, he, he, you know, he had a bit of a natural flow that he was, but again. Yeah. It's um, we were helping bring that out by doing these walks mm. because like got natural flow, but also he had he had tarnas, you know, he was yeah, yeah. outlining with a fucking tuxin on his third piece. It's like you know yeah. what I mean. It's like the it's kind of the Corvette of kind of you know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like you know, mode of engine paint to do your outlines yeah. with, cap, mm. you know. So it's mm -hmm. all that stuff sort of came into play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I. I I feel like he's somebody that doesn't get mentioned enough. And I think he played a, a vital piece in, in the puzzle, you know, because he was sort of connected to you guys and doing all that. And then he lived over in the apartment down on, um, what's the, the road down the bottom of town. He was down there with Levi and Ken's and all the kind of MCF guys. So he was very connected with, with them as well. You know, and I, th I think he was a kind of vital link there in a way, but he doesn't get so spoken about much. You know, not in that context. More of his music stuff, obviously, is kind of, you know, yeah, where well, he's gone with it. His his music sort of, um, you know, somewhat eclipsed his graffiti. But I mean, he was there. I mean, honestly, he was he was there with a lot of pivotal players in the early stages, and he was doing nice pieces. You know what I mean? He's mm -hmm. you know, he's a scallywag just like the rest of us. You know, yeah. just, <laughs> oh, you know, man. Um, Jamie Deep One just posted a couple of photos on Facebook. And it's like that big justice piece. Mm, yeah. Like, oh, what a what a great piece! What a massive, huge piece! And it just is justice. Yeah. You know, there's no fucking and the cool, around. And the coolest <laughs> thing, because you know, obviously that's the first and kind of wall went on to be a really big project that you guys did, and it was really pivotal for us, and it really propelled like the Auckland graffiti scene because suddenly you had all these really vicious 
writers coming out of West Auckland that had skills and knowledge and access to paint because they'd all worked out how to kind of game the system and steal steal untold amounts of paint from the project, you know. <laughs> 50 seeds in incredibly fertile soil and then like, yeah. just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. forest, yeah, yeah. It's like... And in I mean, that photo, you see the largest guy in the photo was actually Charles with a Chicago oh, yeah. Bull singlet yeah. and his backwards hat. And he's only about 13 years old there and he's, he's towering over everybody. I love that. I love that. I mean, I'm pretty sure he wrote Jinx on that wall on that day. Mm. So right. That was, that was pre, pre-fries and pre-fats. I'm pretty yeah. sure. It, or maybe he did a Jinx. And it, I mean, it's funny because, I, you know, Again, we you know p- people are like oh you taught these guys it's like that's a that's a I'd say it's that's a bit of a strong word, it's it's definitely on, rather than teaching. My AirPods just disconnected for a second. Can you hear me? You all right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, cool. No, I was. Good. Mm-hmm. It, it's about that was a way more a situation of nurturing than teaching. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a case of teaching. It's like here's a fat cap. You know, here, you do a bit of fade, mm. but you can teach in a day, and then and then you let it go. You know, but I remember Charles at the beginning of the first or second day, he was pretty. He didn't like it. Yeah, he was kicking, he was kicking his cans. He was like, "Oh, this is bullshit." <laughs> you know, yeah. so, this graffiti thing's bullshit. You know, I, I'll just do some tags or something, and it's like, but it's like. You know, it's like, no, bro, it's, you can't just get really good at something in one day. Mm. No. Right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, maybe some people can, but I certainly didn't. You know what I mean? It's mm. like, like, just slow down, mm-hmm. learn from mistakes, take mm. it easy, have yep. another go. Mm-hmm. Go over it, do it again. It's like, no one's in a hurry. No one's judging you. You know, it was, it was like, this was an environment for you just to simply have a home and yeah. just feel the flow and of course what happens is he becomes one of the best graffiti artists on the planet and and mm-hmm. i and i i can say yes well i was one of his teachers but you know i didn't teach him fuck all you know what i mean yeah. it's just, <laughs> you know what i mean you know it's really you know you know what's really funny i don't know if you've gone and like ever tracked down the wall of fame documentary that was made for max tv about yeah. that project but if you've ever yeah. watched it again recently yeah, there's there's a good moment where they they walk up to him and they're like, you know, well, how how are you going, Charles? How are you finding it? He's he's like, you know, tiring. <laughs> it's like that's all he says, like tiring. It was like, yeah, okay. yeah. I've had to actually work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild, you know. For a lot of us, um, I mean, that project was like, it was a real, it was a flashpoint, you know, and and it was kind of the envy of the whole scene, you know. Icon would go out, you know, and he took a lot of photos of people working in the progress and chatted with people. My dad lived around the corner, so I did I did come past a few times. I didn't have the you know, the courage at that time to come up and chat to anyone per se, you know, yeah. but I was very envious, you know. I'm sure you were present. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I would I will tell you a funny story. I just remember the other day, kind of an embarrassing story, but this this kind of speaks to kind of how you guys were very kind of patient with us younger. Um <laughs> it was actually it reminded me when I mentioned the Beastie Boys, but it was like the Beastie Boys concert. Um I think it might have been nineteen ninety five or something. 
and um, I'm trying to remember what's the name. It was Logan Campbell Center. Yep. And uh, you know, I used to to rap, and I also used to be at that age like a but you know pretty wild kid. You know, liked liked the the alcohol and like the the drugs, and would get pretty loose of these things. So. I came up to you, I think, out the front, like cornered you, and I think I freestyled your air off for about sort of 10 minutes, which you patiently, like, listened to. And then you were like, um, yeah, you were like, uh, how are you getting home? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And you're like, get in. And you, like, uh, gave me a ride back to the city. Like, so, you oh, know, I always <laughs> meant to say thank you for that. <laughs> historical Mark Three Zephyr, probably. It was. It was. Yeah. It was a very cool car, yeah. I tell you, if a, if a, if a, if, an, if a person can have a place in history, I mean, so can a car because that car <laughs> filled mm. the boot. Mark III's got boot space for at least two or three dead bodies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we filled that boot up with tarnas and crylons. Yeah. We had hundreds of cans, and we'd mm -hmm. back all every day and open the boot, and it would just be swimming in tarnas and tuxins. You know what I mean? But <laughs> <laughs> damn native. DLT, honestly, we, that car was a big part of that sort of that era of hip hop. I love that car. That's so cool. <laughs> you know, me and uh, me and Icon used to go racking a lot. It's kind of just a little off on a tangent, but funny. Like we used to go racking a lot, and uh, we would do the rounds through different parts of the city, shoplifting all our paint and everything. And he was a masterful thief, you know, like he was just so good at it. And I would sort of you know, just take his instruction, you know, like, because I wanted the paint, I was ambitious, you know, you much be. like yourself, I didn't really feel like I was naturally inclined towards that, I didn't really like stealing the as much as my friends did, but um, um, I remember this one time, we had a really good day, like, so good, and the entire, we'd filled the whole trunk, and the, the whole back seat was so full of spray cans that you couldn't even fit a person, but we saw Aaron B walking down the road in West Auckland. There's always room for like, yeah, we're like, get in there, and then he like leaps in the back. He's like, holy shit! He's like, you guys are fucking crazy. Like, I remember yeah. him thinking it was like the fucking funniest shit. <laughs> Those that's, moments yeah. are good. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, you know, Burst um popped in a little earlier, and he wanted you to talk a bit about the Mo Show because I think he, you know, well, we were all fans of the Mo Show, but I think he particularly really loved it because it was it came out right at the time that he was first really getting into all of this. So tell us a bit about how that came to be. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, big ups to Burst. And, I, and I've got to mm -hmm. say, as far as the graffiti community goes at the moment, I mean, I, I'm definitely mm -hmm. lying if I said I wasn't out of the loop. But mm -hmm. I do know what he's doing. And, like, just, just the competitions and just his sort of his incredibly proactive participation in the culture as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's a really yeah. – somebody take that on because, I mean – that's, that's a bit, there's a lot of work he's doing, you know, to make yeah. this stuff happen. Yeah, yeah. Rich man, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's sort of driving driving the scene, you know, in a yeah. lot of ways at the moment. Yeah. He's a great guy, and, you know, he's a he's a phenomenal painter as well. So, you know, oh, just yeah. big ups. I there. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so the Mo Show, so Mark and I, a brief timeline, we mm. met 1984. Or four or five. Mm -hmm. He's like came over from America. Yeah, Cunningham, Apple Pie Kid, Levi's, white T-shirt, red Chuck Taylors, <laughs> and James Brown. Um, his mother had milk and cookies and chicken, like an American mom. Sitcom mom, <laughs> yeah. like, like buttons painted with zebra stripes. 
and yeah. blue mohawk and leather jacket. I smoke weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my parents. We weren't, but but through music, we just we sort of found a friendship. You know, the teachers mm. like such a smart ass you can look after the new kid it's like oh that miracle bird i don't want to fucking know about him but of course first after school milk and cookies fried chicken sitcom mom listen to james brown it's like i've got something in common with this kid you know so (laughs) fast forward a couple of years we're rapping dr martin boots at the boot girls party yeah flash forward a couple more years um mark's been doing um True School on BFM. Yep. And all in the True School crew. And they gave him a Wednesday afternoon, a drive show. Drive show. I used to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Drive with Slave, the Wednesday, the Wednesday special. Um, I used to ring up quite a lot and just supply sort of um, content, you know, because yep. me and Mark, and it's worth saying to this day, we're still best, best friends, super mm-hmm. tight since day, yep. you know. Crazy. We've done everything together. Like we've mm-hmm. been through shit and good yeah. shit. And so, um, and I started. You know, I, I I did a thing called free stuff guy for a while, where I'd get people to send me stuff. It was just a hustle. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. And I, and then, <laughs> don't ask me why. I'm a free stuff guy. And um, in the end, and then I used to go up and just hang with Mark at the station. It was his show. Yeah. But in the end. I was just became part of the furniture, and then it became Wednesday mm. Drivers Otis, right? Because ah. we were, yeah. They, they, I just got in on his shit, you know what I mean? To be right. honest, <laughs> <laughs> I up and then I rolled in, and um, yeah. <laughs> but it, but it became a successful partnership and a popular show, and of mm. course, being best friends, making records together, knowing each mm. other that well, we had great rapport. Yeah. Our back and forth was really good. Yeah. People did it, and we just got a phone call out of kind of pretty out of the blue once saying look we like your show on the radio have you ever thought mm-hmm. of doing TV? this is a production mm-hmm. we were like we were like well we haven't but you know we would and mm-hmm. they're like can you put a prop together for us we, we're, we're looking for some funding if you can put a prop together for us like in a week or so we'll put it we'll put it forward mm-hmm. and so you know Quite, you know, um, this is simplifying it somewhat, but not much, to be honest. We were like, mm. um, we would fly around the world mm-hmm. um, with cheap cameras and interview cool people and our friends. Mm-hmm. And we submitted that. That was kind of it, you know what I mean? It, it, I mean, because of course, no YouTube. You know, there's no yeah. sort of, you know, and uh, and we were just like, it sounds, we were like, and we were like, wait a minute. Well, we know Shehard, who are now Pacifier. They're living mm-hmm. in LA. Uh, we'll go to LA. It's like, I've got friends in London that used to be graffiti artists. We'll go mm-hmm. to London. Like, um, we know Big Ronga. She's in Paris. Let's go to Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we literally were like, um, we're like, shit, we even know um, Lee Tamahori. And he's yeah. filmed one movie. So let's go yeah. and see Hollywood, you know, we were, or, yeah. or London was. So we were, we just, and we said we could. We never mm. even these people if they were up for it, but we were just like, yeah. that's what we do. And they were like, okay, well, it looks like you've, it looks like we can get some funding for this. Let's do it. So and Mark crazy. and I were like, 
you fucking kidding? That's not a TV so prop. That's a ridiculous fantasy. But um, so we did we did a first and because oh fuck, <laughs> we did a um, we sort of did a pilot episode um in London because I I I was sort of friends with Robbie Williams and I could get him on mm. camera. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. So we sort of did the first bits to sort of see if it worked. And I mean, it's low budget. We're sleeping on people's couches, three to mm -hmm. a, a hotel room. We were mm. very high a lot of the time. <laughs> we didn't write any scripts. Um, we, we owed a lot to editing at the, at mm -hmm. the back end of um, but, but people were like, this is very unusual television. This is like yeah. gorilla. And these guys are talking to... You know, man, we talked to the X-Men, we talked to like great musicians, we talked to artists. Remember, you, you guys randomly talked to Keo in New York on, on some stairs outside of an opening, which is so random because I came to know him years later. Uh -huh. That's great. interviewed Dr. Revolt. You guys yeah. interviewed Lady Pink, I think. No, no. Um, it's funny, we went to scene. we did a big um, sort of um, Wizard of Oz um, sort of pilgrimage out to the Bronx yeah. to see Tattoo Studio. Yeah, and we've run, right. It was going to be there, and I think we 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 wanted to go to the White Castle, get a burger like they had on Saturday Night Fever. We had this big sort of mm. New York fan. But when we got yeah. there, he wasn't there, and the guys that yeah. were, were real assholes. And I was like, oh man, this <laughs> oh shit, it's not even real. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we did get good stuff along the way, and we'd stop and get those big walls and and the Bronx, and we just threw it together because. The content was very, very real, mm. quite gritty, and we, and it wasn't just celebrities. Even though we bumped into Yoko Ono when we were walking through New York one, you know, and got her to say, <laughs> oh, no, on Mo Show, we're like, that is like cold, you know. <laughs> yeah. We just sort of plotted this collage of experiences together. And, and, you know, <laughs> and we won TV awards with that shit, you know. <laughs> It's amazing. I remember the episode in Jamaica and there was a scene where you guys were at a club and people started shooting the ceiling out of excitement, like a, a certain song. And I remember thinking that was amazing. Oh, I mean, we just found ourselves in places, you know, it's, it's and a lot of, a lot of stuff never made it. And I, I remember one, I remember my mum watching an episode one night when <laughs> we, we were, we were quite obviously I, you know, I was a young yeah. man and mum <laughs> rang me up. After that episode, she said, Otis said, it's just, I can't believe you put that on TV. <laughs> You're so like, oh, sorry, mum. Of it. What a time. Funny thing is, we considered a third season, but we'd mm -hmm. run it, we did it really, really cheap, like yeah. six TV for less than, well, about $20,000 an episode, including... Wow editing, just everything. And so yeah. and we would give ourselves a very small wage while we were shooting mm -hmm. and then editing and then all the money would yeah. run out. I remember yeah. after winning the um, New Zealand TV award for the best documentary, I don't, don't know what category it even won, entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. I was sitting waiting for a bus and this young Māori kid came up and was like, oh, are you from the Mo Show, bro? And I was like, yeah, he's like, don't you have a car, bro? I was like, no. He's like, aren't you on TV, bro? I was like, no, bro. I broke. I'm not even on the dole. I got nothing. And he was, and, and that's, 
and that was we could do that when we were young and frivolous mm. but then if, like mark mm. had a baby yeah and it's you can't it's just too selfish to spend half the year making no money and then half the other year making no money also but making fun <laughs> just, you know it's not, it's not you can't yeah it. and in fact i think jim beam or jack daniels at one stage for the third season offered us quite mm -hmm. a lot of money mm -hmm. right we've got a list of criteria oh my god i can only imagine and it was like one of us has always got to be wearing a Jack Daniels cap and the other one's always got to be wearing a t-shirt. We can't say mm. shit and can't show titties and it's not and too much rap because Jack Daniels, you know, no rap probably. You know, it was sort of, and Mark and I were like, well, this is our, <laughs> of our lives to finally mm. make some of all this work we've done. We're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wonder why they even wanted to sponsor it if they basically wanted to fundamentally just completely change, take away everything that made it the show it was. Fun brand. They wanted to be behind, you know, the Mo Show was doing well and people thought it was cool, but, you know, mm. it's, you know, it, 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 funny, another, uh, a mantra of Mark's and mine, OJ and Slave, mm. it's like, we never fought because we never had any yeah. money. And the only time yeah. crews and people fall out is usually when there's some money involved, you know, mm -hmm. who gets the yep. most? You know, if you can roll, if you can roll through a career and never make any money, you never even fight. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's wild, man. So I wanted to talk a bit about the kind of, I guess, the kind of beginnings of what you've kind of wound up doing now, which really probably started when everybody kind of started working with Mike Weston. Yeah, back in the area gallery, you had a well, solo it, show that was fresh, fresh, fresh that we were all icon, in. And that's, I mean, who who was even in that first show? But Aaron B and you and me and yeah, misery, and, uh, the bad people that truth, Nikan, um, like a lot of people. It was a group graffiti show in a in mm. a small in K Road. Mm -hmm. There was a guy called Mike Wesson, whom I work with to this day. Mm -hmm. The, it was free reign. Everyone got like a 1.2 by 2.4 piece of hardboard to paint. That's right. And and, um, and and we all just we all just painted. And it was this was in front of this is like a pivotal moment in my whole life as an artist because mm. I was I was wondering what to do. And a lot of people were writing their names. There wasn't that many mm. characters. And I mm -hmm. was like. What can I do? And I was a tattooist at the time, also. And I'd That's recently right. got. Oh God! I totally forgot about that whole chapter of your career. <laughs> uh, I've, done, I've done it all. I've done it. I'm, yeah. I'm try stars. Um, but I had a. I just got a recently got a geisha girl tattooed on my leg. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I'm gonna try and do a tattoo style graffiti piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for the chase. Got to shut the door. All <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so I did. So I did this geisha girl, you know, two yep. meters tall, and um, and it sold. I mean, a bunch of work sold. Some didn't sell. I mean, it wasn't the whole thing was all about a sort of big group show. It was you know, we're all we're all sort of hanging out together and painting together down that that alleyway. Mm -hmm. It was. I mean, those yeah. were times for there was a good crew of people in that show, but it mm -hmm. sold. And um, I think it sold for like fifteen hundred bucks or something, and it had really only taken me half of half a day. Yeah, 
like, you know, and I've done big walls before and been paid okay money, but that was outside and just, you know, it was a war. This was like someone taking it home to put it in their house. And mm -hmm. the real moment came was when somebody came to the, so an art buyer came and mm. saw it. And once it was sold and said to Mike, it's like, I really love it. And Mike was like, sorry, it's been sold. And they're like, do you think you'd do another one? Yeah. And Mike, would you do another one? And I was like, yeah. So I did another one mm -hmm. and they bought that. Mm. And then somebody else yeah. wanted one. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I'd done a, a series of Geisha Girls and earned mm -hmm. some money. Yeah. And so, so by the time Fresh 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 had all, had all moved on and we were on to the, the next thing, um, Mike said to me, he's like, you should really just have a solo show. You're like an mm -hmm. artist. It had mm -hmm. never, ever, never crossed my mind to have an art show in a yeah. gallery. And I was like, okay, you know what? I was like, what the fuck? You know, I'm, I'm down for whatever. You know, I'm mm -hmm. a rapper, TV guy, or whatever, whatever, you, whatever, you did, whatever gets in the way. And yeah. um, really good show. I did probably painted about 30 pieces. Um, so, you know, one of them was like five grand, that big, that William Burroughs portrait. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Four grand. But everything sold on the night. And it was yeah. like $40,000. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I like, remember I, it well because I was obviously hanging around the gallery a lot. Yeah. And I, I yeah, was kind of right. semi-intern. I was organizing my first festival and so I was harassing Mike for... He's the only person I knew that was like a promoter or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. He, well, you know, he explained to me what sponsorship was and how to write a sponsorship proposal. And so while I was sponging all that knowledge off him, he was kind of getting me to more or less intern. And so I was there helping you guys varnish the works. So I helped you guys yeah. hang the show. I think I'm, I minded the gallery like a few days. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I made quite a lot of money. And it was like, and the work, the work wasn't that hard, and I enjoyed it. And it's like, mm. you know, um, and and then it just it rolled from there. But the the, the, the collaborative aspect of yeah. the work with Mike came from me having a just a real dry, a creatively dry spell. Mm. Like, I was like, I don't even right. know. I'm I'm out of ideas. It's like, yeah, right, right. Exhibition. It's like thirty pieces or twenty pieces, whatever, whatever it was. It's like. By the time I'm done 15, it's like, well, I've painted William Burroughs and I've written Opto three times and I've done a dragon. And I was like, mm. and Mike's like, well, why don't you do a picture of Marilyn Monroe? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, everyone's done that. And Mike said, we'll do mm -hmm. it better. That was his mm -hmm. words. <laughs> it sounds like Mike. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I can do it better. And I did it. Mm -hmm. It sold, you know. And then so, and I'll be like, got any other good ideas, Mike? You know, because of course, <laughs> yeah. And he was and he was slicing off forty percent of whatever I sold, and people were yeah. like, "Oh, why are you giving money to that fucking guy?" You know, but it's like you know, artists in galleries giving forty percent to their dealer is a sort of a universal truth that you either have yeah. to deal or not deal with. And I just mm -hmm. chose to deal with it. You know what I mean? And also, and, good good gallery relationships um, are relationships. Like, they well, they come a little bit. Of yeah, they've become something else these days, you know, like whereas people are providing a venue and expecting to take 50% of, of the proceeds from, you know, the sale of your work. Whereas, you know, like a really decent gallery relationship is like this. There's a bit more of a reciprocal kind of thing going on with the energy and, and the resources and the inspiration. You know, so I've got 50 people here 
who have money who buy art mm. i'm going to invite yeah. them to the gallery and then they buy art. you know mm -hmm. i mean people saying to um you know dan tippett big shout outs to dan tippett for introducing a mm -hmm. whole new style at all to just to shake everything yep. up you know absolutely um, but dan was like do you really want to give money to that guy and it's like you could probably sell mm -hmm. it and i then i can i can give him 40 percent of five grand or i can mm -hmm. keep one of two grand and, and i'm higher you know what i mean yeah i'm just gonna mm -hmm. 60 percent of the five grand rather than a hundred than a thousand bucks and it's sort of that i just you know and does it make me a breadhead or an artist or whatever the fuck? I don't know, but it's just, you know, I'm a, I'm a pragmatist. It's like, I wanted to make some mm. money. Ever since, it, it's the same thing from when I was a little kid. I didn't yeah. be a badass. I just wanted to sell, I just wanted to make pictures. And if I could make pictures yeah. and make money, uh, that was mm -hmm. that was sort of uh, where I was at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, so that's been a pretty enduring relationship. Like, I, I figure you guys are a good, probably sort of 14, 15 years deep. Maybe long, longer. Really? Nineteen ninety nine. Oh, two thousand. Oh, yeah. Two thousand. Oh, yeah. You're right. And the ninety. Actually, it was nineteen ninety. It was the beginning of nineteen ninety nine. Fresh, fresh, fresh. Because if you recall, at the end of ninety eight, we managed to generate a whole lot of free press for the show when we got arrested down in Masterton yeah. for painting the trains. Yeah. Which and yeah. they found flyers for the show in our car, and then they like splashed that all over the news and. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got like a, a hero's welcome when we turned up even though we were all kind of in trouble with our parents and sort of scared but, for, for what was looming you know in the court your local legendary status bro you know? <laughs> it's you know it, it's 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 funny because since i started so early mm. you know i mean there weren't many people bombing when i started so you know i was mm. part of the first movement in mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. since I was legal work, people could find me, right? Yeah. It wasn't hard to find. People would go into a shop and say, who did that Robocop? And they'll be like, mm -hmm. here's his Bring up my mm -hmm. house. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. But also mm -hmm. it made me contactable by the news, for yeah. example. Mm -hmm. so, so during all of this time, I've also been very vocal in the news and, yeah. and, and, a, and a loud supporter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've... Mm -hmm. reporters it's like i would rather see a graffiti piece than a blank wall mm -hmm. so what i'm going to say about these kids who are beautifying yeah. the you know what i mean I, you know give them a can mm -hmm. yeah chuck them in. i always i always felt that both you and daryl were really good spokespeople in that sense like you both kind of kept it probably a little more real with the reporters than they were kind of hoping and and i liked yeah. what he said about that that he learned early on that if you don't take the reins with the media, you know, they will twist your words to fit their narrative. Exactly. If you don't speak clearly and in mm -hmm. quite effective sound bites, mm. <laughs> if you can keep it short and sharp, they can't fuck yeah. with that. But, you know, if you yeah. ramble about whatever. Yeah. Then yeah. I took a lot of inspiration from that, you know, as a young person that then found myself, you know, being in the kind of limelight in the media and being a spokesperson through doing like the festival, or, you know, doing the events or doing gallery shows and running a gallery space and doing a magazine, that there were people always trying to get me to kind of, they were projecting their message onto me. They wanted me to be their spokesperson. And I was yeah. not very yeah. interested in doing that because I love the art form for what it is. You know, you so want... why would I? Right. 
Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You know, it's yeah. It's it's just it's it's an interesting thing, man. Like you know, having to walk that kind of line, you know. So I, I definitely get what you're saying, you know, and I, I appreciate it because I took a lot of cues from you guys. You know, I like I like people that are unapologetic um, of how they deal with the media, you know, especially when it's not an educated media. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tell them what they think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're ultimately looking for a nice punchy quote, you know. And uh, if, like you say, if you can keep it as concise as possible and and uh, be straight to the point, it's probably it's going to have more cut through. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. We used to joke when Daryl and me and and then and then Dan once he sort of mm. with us and our we and our and FYM, which was never actually accrued, to, you know, yeah. just to clarify. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, Daryl would always joke because we'd get like a cash check to go to the bank, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and these money for the young kids out there, bit of money, yeah. it's amount of money on a bit of paper. There's an amount of money with a signature on it, and Daryl would always, he would be like, "Off you go." And it's, it's like send in the white guy. He's like, "They'll never catch that check for me," you know, <laughs> with with his with his tattoo glove and stuff. It's like so, you know, we all have our roles, you know. When you're the eighteen, person's got their role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, that's the same for Charles and and the crew and myself. I mean, we we knew pretty early on that I had certain privileges and certain spaces. That enabled me to, yeah, and which which I took that very seriously, you know, like um, we, we, we learned pretty quick that there was a big difference to, to how the police responded rolling up to us painting some trackside spot if, if they were greeted by me or, or, or one of my other friends, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's kind of, it's a bummer, but also it's mm. like, it's like, that's the way shit goes down. So let's just use mm. that, take it, yeah. run with it. Yeah. Well, we certainly, we learned about exploiting, exploiting those things, you know, like we, we used to use it to our advantage too, you know, like um, Tank, you know, like I think that's why Tank, you know, would kind of get enough to the type of mischief he did, always liked having these kind of very clean cut kind of kids around him too, because, you know, they, they enabled him to leverage his way into certain spaces, you know. Yeah, he knows what's up, you know what I mean? Mm. Nobody um, bullshitting anyone else, you know, and we've, you no. know, we're built had all had our part to play, you know? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, absolutely. No, it, it's wild to me, you know, and, and then in other ways, you know, my friends, you know, had to, had to back me up in other spaces too. Well, yeah, fair call. <laughs> For me to be in, you know, where my my privileges were revoked very quickly, you know, and there were certain conflicts that I had to, had to deal with that probably, actually, my friends probably dealt with for me, you know, which was, you know, <laughs> a blessing, but you know, I know what it is, you know. Well, you know, I mean, what are friends for, bro? I mean, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, you, when you've been through it together, you know, when you've done so much together, it's, 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 you know, you become more than just friends. You know, you become family. So it's, you Weird. know, you're operating on a different code. So what's what's kind of been going on for you the last years? Because, I mean, obviously, for a few years, you got really focused on doing the, the taco truck. And building that business and you were kind of dividing your time with that and the stuff with mike and that's that's still those are your two two main things at the moment or yeah so, so it was kind of like when we when my wife and i started the taco truck it, mm-hmm. we, we realized 
we kind of we, we had no idea we hadn't done any hospo i'd never done food mm -hmm. for people mm -hmm. very quickly realized it was going to take a lot more time and effort than we thought yeah. you can't mm -hmm. dance like that and so yeah. it's <laughs> do you have fresh air um yeah um no <laughs> i think because of I think because like the way our window opens, it's like over like a really big drop and it's a big window. They've actually taken the latches off it so you can't open. So maybe somebody's jumped out this window or something at some point or fallen, I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, what, 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 what were we just saying? Just saying that the, the truck, you knew it was oh, yeah. going to take more energy. But, yeah. So it kind of, I just really had to make a decision to do that rather than dabble in it. It was never going to mm -hmm. work. I mean, it's, mm. it's, you know, my wife, I mean, she's the, she's the boss. It's her idea. Mm -hmm. She, mm -hmm. she all completely together. I was really yep. just her. Mm -hmm. But be together. We needed a, a united front on that, you know, yeah. and long hours and it was quite shitty and there were tears and it was, it was very hard to sort of, and you can't, you, you know, you can't go balls deep if you're not, you know, you've got to just mm. jump in. So yeah. that sort of became the biggest focus. But as it started to get traction and it got, you know, it's just shit started to happen. Our prices got better and we got more recognition and it started mm. to, and as it started to move, then I could yeah. come and I could spend more time back in the studio and start to shift and, and divide my time. So my time is, mm -hmm. you know, my work-life balance, man, it's pretty good at the moment, you know. So, so tacos in the That's weekend. Awesome. I help with Sarah yep. in the makeup fiesta kits and stuff, and then I'm still the grill yep. guy. We don't open the truck if we're not in it. Yeah, it's we've never staffed it out. Yeah, um, yeah, I noticed that, which is which is awesome. I, I appreciate that. I think it's really cool. Well, it's kind of it's it's a what do they say? It's your, it's it's our cross to bear because it's like I had mm. a friend a, tr a food truck. He did really nice food and we went to an event once and he'd staffed it out and he had some sort of teenagers in there that didn't give a shit on minimum wage mm -hmm. or anything. I got mm -hmm. one of his food and it was shit and I was like, oh man, this is, uh, uh, you know, and then he shut down yeah. a little, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it, it goes. So this is a sort of passion project for us and it's all about, it's moving into grocery and we're doing hot sauce mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Stuff. That's getting traction. So now I sort of get up in the morning, help Sarah out, make up some fiesta kits, deliver them to, mm -hmm. and, you know, make sure everything's good. Sarah is yep. nursing the markets and Pharaoh and all the ingoings mm -hmm. and out day. And then when the truck opens, I'm on the grill. It's, uh, that's all. Yeah. When I'm, I'm at, at the studio making paintings wow, that's and. Awesome. And so, like, I've, um, I'm very, very pleased to announce that I got um, Procreate. On a mm -hmm. flash, it last year. I was like, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I was saw like, the animations popping up and the the, the drawings. On, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, me with Procreate on an mm. iPad. And I'm not kidding. This was like a caveman with a burnt stick. You know, <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is? I was like, how do you even learn this? It's so massive. But yeah. I sort of, and during lock, you know, you get some time in lockdown. And I sort mm -hmm. of taught myself how to use it somewhat. Yeah. But amazing enough, just when I was just getting the hang of it, I got um, a, an illustration job for Vodafone, which mm -hmm. I normally, any other time I would have done it 
just with pen and ink and tracing over my yeah. own layout. You saved yourself a lot of lot of time using Procreate. Yeah, do that. Maybe put it into Photoshop and color it up a little mm -hmm. bit. And, but but like I was like, I'm gonna do this whole job on this yeah. newfangled tool that I've <laughs> bought. And I sat yeah. down and, and worked it up from scratch and mm -hmm. did it. But I and it, and it got it looking good. I was like, sure, I didn't even know I was this good at it. And then yeah. saved it if and emailed it to them along with yep. the invoice and it paid for the ipad and it, it was like ah, yep. an interesting yeah. you know evolution of yeah of my and, uh, and you know it's so funny because it's so so much more intuitive as well because it's just oh. literally you know like when you think about like uh if you were converting something into like pass and illustrator to look clean and kind of graphic yeah you know the process yeah. involved you know for taking and working it from a rough sketch yeah because i really learned i'm okay on photoshop but i never really learned illustrator but so but so yeah. this is as its resolution you know it's you can't you can only go so big you know what i mean on mm -hmm. program mm -hmm. dt's actually onto the vector adobe draw yep it's pretty beautiful yep. yeah that i would like to investigate because then you can i mean then you can do it big as a billboard you know what i mean yeah absolutely you know, um, the workflow in, in Procreate is really interesting. That's that's the first thing you've got to get your head around is kind of like, you know, getting things to the scale you want that they, they will reproduce and working back. And, and then yeah, obviously yeah. the larger you go, the less layers you have. Something you know and then it's fuzzy, you know what I mean? I, I, I've, yeah. I've learned a few lessons on that one. But um, mm -hmm. but I like it. And you can, sit on, you can sit on the couch with it on your lap and just fluff around, you know. know. So it was a big moment you know, for me. You know, <laughs> oh, you know, I, I totally hear you, man. And and it's funny what you said, because like, I actually, when I first got to New York, I really wanted an iPad Pro. And, um, and my friend Vance, the Amiga, had, I'd been like at a, a festival with him, and he had shown it, he'd broke, broken it out and me and Soffles were playing around on it, like, oh my God, this shit's crazy. And really, really wanted one. And I kind of ummed and ahed about it. And when I got to New York, you know, like I spent a lot of time walking around when I first got there, kind of exploring. And I used to yeah. go to the the, the Apple store in, in Williamsburg and go and play yeah. on the iPad Pro. Yeah, right, right. Come, come back and talk about it all the time. <laughs> when sort of eventually my wife got so sick of me doing this, she was like, why don't you just fucking buy it? And I was like, well, yeah. I was like, because I... I don't think I can really afford it. I just don't think I can justify it. I mean, I'm kind of on the bones of my ass out here. And she's just like, no, I think you, it'll pay for itself. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure. And yeah. literally, same as what you said, it, it, it didn't take long. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I was putting it to work. And it does, you know, it was a, definitely an investment. Yeah. Especially, yeah, especially for online work, because it doesn't have to, you don't have to blow it up. People looking at it on yeah. the screen. Bloody sweet yeah. ass. I mean, I, my whole mode kind of changed, you know, and th there's a certain economy of kind of working in these new digital mediums, you know, that has suited me really well while I've not been able to afford a large studio space while I've been somewhat transient and painting or have been in a lockdown or quarantine type situation. These have all become increasingly the norm, you know, so there's a certain economy that comes with that tool. It's it's people like um, you know another shout out is to um, Monty Collins, you know Monty yeah. yeah? Yep, I do, I do. He um, I met him online basically. He 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 mm -hmm. posted up some of his illustrator work. Mm -hmm. I was, 
well, how the fuck did you even do that? And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll yeah. help you if you ever want to learn. You know, we're sort of mm-hmm. friends online. Yeah. And, and it was just people like him that are, that have crossed over and, you know, they're graph, but he's, he's a digital, he's like an Android. The way that, the, the way that oh, boy yeah. uses sort of digital media is incredible. Yeah, and, he's always been a really good job. illustrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I did a big job and I got it as nice as I could, pen and ink and Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And um, but it needed to go four stories high, and I was like, I was like, Monty, mm-hmm. can you help? And that was actually quite mm-hmm. a nice clip. Was funny, Monty, because I was, I was like, and I've done this before, where you give a work to someone like to vectorize, and you get it back, and it's yeah. like, wait a minute, it looks like your work, not mine. You know what I mean? Like, can you please mm-hmm. just follow my fucking lines? But I mean, yeah. you did a really good job and followed my lines, but I could still feel some Monty in there, which was actually pretty cool like a strange sort of unplanned collaboration but it was that's awesome. encouraging you know and it, but when i see young people like that i mean i call him young he's already probably got great hair in his great when you're my age yeah, he runs I, can't, a bit. I can't i can't <laughs> imagine once he's much younger than me he must be at least at least 39 or 40. Yep. Really young man but it was like mm-hmm. it was like you know i kind of i was like i'm never gonna bother you know i'm a pen and ink guy you know what i'm a paint mm-hmm. guy spray pencils mm-hmm. but you know what I could probably learn it, and and I quite enjoy it. Yeah, it's clean. It's no fumes. You know, you know what? I've been trying to get Elliot Francis Stewart oh. to get on an iPad for the longest time, and he's so completely oh. resistant. If totally he does that, resistant. Does that? I'm gonna snap. Game, game over. Up, like a dinner plate <laughs> over my leg. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's probably just as well if he doesn't get on it. But like he he like. Because he's still in that situation where when he does a job, he, he illustrates it in black and white and gives it to somebody who has to then digitize it and color it and yeah. do everything. Or he will color it uh, in watercolor, you know, yeah. like, and make a plan for them to show them a guide. I, I mean, I like that. And it, it's cool on some level that he's still so analog. I mean, you know, but I just think, damn, he'd just be absolutely like, it's such a pleasure yeah. To, to draw on that with the nice glass surface and everything. It's like, there's oh. just nothing unenjoyable about it. Yeah, I mean, I just sort of get used to it. I kind of quite like it. I mean, mm. but I thought it, you know, that horrible moment when you realise you spent the last half an hour on the wrong layer. You know, I'm still mm-hmm. feeling that. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> yeah. It's been the next two hours rub stuff out. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm trying to, I'm it's trying great. to. It's crazy, man. Like today, today having this chat with you has definitely reminded me of just the scope of kind of things that you've done. You know, like which is quite kind of astounding. Like if we go back to it, so you went from doing graffiti to making music, releasing music, to radio host, tattoo artist, uh, then TV show host, then contemporary artist, and then running a taco truck. Yeah, done some things. <laughs> and now, and the digital illustrator. I've done some things, Elliot. Uh, yeah, I wasn't yeah. too. Is, it, is, there, <laughs> is there anything missing from from that list? Oh, I make a I make a mean cheeseburger. Oh no, that's sort of. It's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, Again, I just come back to it, Els. It's just like, it's just all about participating in your in mm. in the. Th- that you like, you know. I was like, yeah, I love graffiti. I want to do it. No mm-hmm. one can. 
doing it. So, and then once yeah. you do it, it's what you do. It's like hip hop. It's like all that stuff. It's like, you know, uh, yeah, the power of participation, man. And it's great because it doesn't have to be important at the time. That's a really big thing for people to remember. You know what I mean? It can be a small question. Yeah. But, I, you know, and then, you know, I've done some cool shit because now I look back, I've done an album cover for Fat Freddy's Drop. I've done a merch range mm -hmm. for Anna. I've done stuff for Concord Dawn just because they're my friends, not because yeah. I was the guy. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, because we're in the same, and you know, we're in the same sphere. So you, you go yeah, to your mate. Yeah. Know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. You know, it's yeah. Make friends with the people that do things that you appreciate, and then you'll then you'll be in the same family. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot, man. That's that's really like that's really good advice. Like I I think like that's the resounding message. I would love for people like watching or listening to this later to kind of take away because I think there's there's a power in that and just um kind of exploring something because you love it not because you know the whole thing of like well I want to do what I love to make money that's kind of like a byproduct of doing something because you really genuinely love it and also not because Sometimes. you want to you don't have to own shit you can just be mm -hmm. you can out of it which is you know which is a really which is which is a the right way to to go about it you know absolutely it's not a cynical approach mm. yeah i think we've been very lucky to grow up in a, a a very tight-knit kind of scene like we have with so much crossover between everybody in the community i think that's offered a lot of really great kind of opportunities to to do interesting things collaborative things and you know the, and the funny thing is from when I was quite young, my father was an artist and he sold mm -hmm. painting, made a living. Mm -hmm. So as a sort of template, I was like, wow, do you know, because there are still a lot of people in this world, like if you're a kid and you said to your mum and dad, I want to be an artist, they'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, do that, you know. And I kind yeah. of would say that <laughs> to people as well. Or, But mm -hmm. more, I'll be prepared, you know. It doesn't all, doesn't necessarily happen overnight. But there is, mm -hmm. you know, and... You know, again, I'm not a wealthy guy, and I've turned down a lot of money for things I didn't want to do. But I'm very mm -hmm. happy. Guy. I'm not actually. Yeah. No, I don't need. It's funny. I don't need a jet ski, and I don't mm -hmm. need a a villa in the south of France. Those those would be nice. And if mm -hmm. something happened, came the next Bill Hammond and my painting seller selling for a hundred thousand dollars, I might get a yeah. house. But in the meantime, I've got a lovely wife. I live in a nice mm -hmm. house here in the fridge. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. I'm, I'm pretty content as long as I'm doing good work and sort of, um, yeah, you know, keeping it together. It's kind of what Daryl said too. You know, he said, "Oh, you know, I was supposed to be that guy living in, you know, kind of south of Spain or something in some crazy house." You know, like you know, kind of more like what his brother does. And he goes, "But he's found himself in the Hawks Bay, and he's like the most content he's been." You know, like he's 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 found peace. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. No, it's good. I mean. No, I mean, yeah, that, that's ultimately it, isn't it? If you can, if yeah. you can be, if you can be in your fifties and look around and go, oh, "This is pretty good, man." You're already sort of, you know, far more, you know, far luckier than ninety nine percent of the planet. So you know, you mm -hmm. gotta, you gotta, you gotta look around rather than keep looking up. Sometimes, yeah, absolutely. You know, like it took me a few years to learn that, and I think kind of going abroad 
And certainly this pandemic has kind of like highlighted that kind of, you know, the whole kind of um, the floor of the kind of grass is greener kind of mentality, you know, like. Uh, totally. Been good to, yeah. Because people are like, oh, you know, it's like you could live in Paris or come to New York or, you know, mm -hmm. the world's so big. It's like, it's like, you know, it's pretty fucking nice here, actually. You, you yeah. know, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course, currently with the with the pandemic sort of up our ass, it's like, well, mm. you know, I told you it was pretty good here. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some some people are still still not happy, you know what I mean? Which is which is always funny to me, you know, sitting sitting in, you know, Santa Clara County where I've been, you know, for the last uh, you know nine or ten months, and kind of just surveying the kind of the, the murmurs online and the kind of and the way that people are kind of responding to kind of some of the really wacky kind of stuff that's been oh. happening in the States and kind of trying to mirror that is sort of weird and uncomfortable for me just from my vantage point, you know, people, hmm. you know, you can shake your head. You want to be angry, but it's like, Oh man, how can we teach these people not to be so stupid, you know, rather than just get angry at them. I mean, it's funny, mm. you know, now people, I mean, that poor motherfucker, and like, and I will reiterate, stupid mm. fucker, but like the weight of the entire country is on that guy's shoulders right now, you know. He is yeah. a and it's, weight. And yeah. it's like, like, you know, what you don't know is shit, you don't know, you know, maybe you he's know just, he's maybe he's just fucking stupid. And if, that, if, if he is, that's not his fault. <laughs> you or, know what I mean? Or, or, or you just might have not had a, a choice. Like we don't, we don't know. Sometimes, like the thing about people's circumstances is they kind of limit people's exactly. freedom of choice. Exactly. And especially, especially with like kind of like going to work, and that's been the the big issue out in the United States is that um, the government is not like the whole kind of um, personal responsibility and individualism is such a massive part of their ethos over there that they've kind of eroded as many of the safety nets to kind of catch people you know and um you know bottom line you know they could have just given people enough money to stay home and they wouldn't have found themselves in the situation and now but people had to choose between staying home and, and eating and paying their bills you know yeah. and it, it just it gets very very hard yeah. you know yeah 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 no i hear you. i just want i want to say hello to lister ninja turner who's yeah. just my old friend he was he was part of the toast heaven legacy man he lived there for a while <laughs> The, and he's a, my, another uh, one that's just returned from the state. Place. Everyone else was living under a fucking shit pile of rusty corrugated iron, but he built this sort of quite arty little sort of uh, <laughs> little corner. <laughs> place <just like laughs> <Nice. that. laughs> it's super awesome, man. That was wild. What a what a what a crazy thing to reflect on, man. That was that was you know so many nice pivotal cultural flashpoints, man. There's um even some have sort of come back to my mind today that I'd kind of forgotten about momentarily, which was super cool. And that place was definitely you know one. I try to kind of emulate that with my first kind of three or four places I moved into. We try to find a a big yeah. dingy warehouse that we could paint graffiti all paint over, the and then one we, yeah, you know, inevitably you know you'd sort of wake up one day and Jason Rowe was asleep on your couch and, you know, <laughs> the oh. police are knocking on the door and... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all true stories. <laughs> and, well, the funny thing was, because also, like, um, 
oh, um, Dean, you know, the singer from because I was driving rock stars and stuff as well. And so well, that I, was your other job. You were you're like a, a, a limo, like a chauffeur driver for rock stars. You know, it, um, Dean, uh, you know, Dean Ween, <laughs> the lead singer from Ween, he was like, I just want to get the fuck out of the hotel. And we're like, well, come back to our place and we'll um, just play ping pong and have a beer. And he's like, yeah, that's great. But we came mm. back and we showed up with a little bag of something and it turned into a big night. We just got wasted and woke up at <laughs> eight o'clock the next morning when he was supposed to be up and at it, you know, radio interviews at seven. And he was complete wreck and I took him back to the hotel. <laughs> Me and the two of <laughs> taken to the doctor to get a B12 shot up his ass, you know, on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was so weird on pop culture in a wider space just by just by having an environment. Because everyone, like, can we interview, oh, who the fuck, I can't even remember, but record companies stuff always wanted to bring people up to interview because it was indoor and graffiti, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, mm -hmm. uh, Perfect, uh, what yeah. up, what up, slave for being the uh, the uh, matriarch? I oh, know the patriarch of the of the toast heaven legacy. <laughs> yeah, and that is how you met Robbie Williams, right? You drove for him. I did. I drove for him. And then you did you tattoo him as well? I did. I drove for him. Then yeah. I'm, got a bit mouldy piece, but I didn't do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Who did that? I think. What up, two? Who? who? Oh, two. Cool. Um. Mm -hmm. Tura Makina, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, great tattooist, great tattooist, bro. Yeah. Um, I tattooed his granddad's name in his hand. Long story short, I tattooed him. We got high, made friends. He took me on tour around Europe for two weeks, staying in castles in Scotland and stuff like that. And then what we the hell? And then we had a falling out. And, uh, I oh, you guys had a falling out? Oh, major. Mate, his, oh, his, his, his manager threatened to kill me. What? <laughs> Just, uh, he, he took me on tour with him to tattoo him mm. and he didn't tattoo and then the tour mm. finished and I and yeah. my dried up and they yeah. asked me to sit around because um, yeah. he might want to tattoo not so tired from the tour and I'm like I have to go back to my homeness yeah. and they're like yeah. well, we paid for you first class to come all the way here you ungrateful shit and I was like dude I'm not on per DMs. I'm in London. I've got no fucking money. Uh, do you want yeah. a tattoo? And then, and then he wouldn't answer my call. And so, you know, I rang up his manager. It was literally, and it's like, it's like, can you tell that cunt to call me? Get fucked. And then the next day I rang yeah. him up and, well, Robbie doesn't like being called a cunt. And I'm like, oh, fuck all your <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So I, I'm sorry went home but then years later when we were filming this is so funny years later when we were filming Mo Show we were mm -hmm. in LA and I also drove for Keanu Reeves and his band yeah. friends with Keanu Reeves also right. and um, <laughs> his friends has become one of my best friends this guy called Matt Dubin who was his sound man uh, for Dogs mm -hmm. was, that was Keanu's band he played the bass yeah. and, uh, and so Keanu and Kenny Funk, you know, that, that crew, they're like, well, we've got tickets to this party at the Standard on Sunset, very flash. And he said, mm -hmm. we, you guys should go. It'll be really funny. We're like, oh, we will yeah. go. You know, we've got VIP tickets. So me and Slave and Sam showed up there and go in. And who's at the party? But Robbie, Robbie Williams. Williams. Also, <laughs> I was like, oh, there was, oh, 
oh, I can't even remember. It was, it was the Foo Fighters were there and um, I can't remember what the, one of the black comedians, Chris Rock. It was very star-studded. We were like, this is mm -hmm. crazy. Um, mm -hmm. No one even notices you when you're not famous at a party like that. So you're quite good and a pity. But I saw Williams on the um, balcony talking to a leggy blonde. And I yeah. went up to him and said, hi, Robbie. Right? He was like, <laughs> how the fuck did you get in here? He was like, you were my New Zealand. Now you're at this party. And I, and, and I he said, what the fuck happened in London? Yeah. And he was like, Oh, it, um, it's like, can we talk about this another time? I'm trying to pull this bird. And it's just like, hey, cool, man. That's all I need to know. See you later. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Amazing. <laughs> I pulled him up on the veranda of this party in, in Hollywood. It was fucking hilarious. He said, the look on his face when he saw me. It's like, how do you end up in a place? Like, Who are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I was going to follow you across the earth just to give you shit yeah. <laughs> i'll find you <laughs> that's awesome man oh sweet man i think it's a good a good note to end man i just want to thank you so much man just for your for your time your, also your just your generosity in general man like you've you've been somebody along the the way that's um, always been open and super encouraging to me and my friends you know, and uh, I really appreciate that, man. And also being a bit of a, a non-specialist, a little bit of an everything kind of artist, you know, it's encouraging to know that that's a, a path you can take, that you don't have to just draw the same thing over and over again. Yeah, like, word. No, it's mm -hmm. good, I mean, Honestly, you're a, you're a good, you're a good cunt. I'm not going to lie. You've done a lot of good work. So, <laughs> I mean, you've done a lot of good work. You've done a lot of, you know, you and your crew have traveled the world and you've, you know, you've won international graffiti. You know, you're one of the best graffiti artists in the world. You're one of my mates. So I think, you know, it's an honor to know you as well. Good on you. Oh, I appreciate it, bro. I, I can't wait till I get out of lockdown. I have to track you down and, uh, and maybe one day when you guys are at the truck, then my, my wife who's Mexican can come and uh, have a little yes. taste of, of your guys' tacos and see how they, how they fare. Mexicans don't <laughs> anymore. They love us. They're down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, because like, it's so hard to find that food here. It's probably the main reason why she's resisted coming here for so long. <laughs> Have you got a kitchen in there? And Can you cook your own meals? No, ah. no we can't. We can't. I was going yeah, we... to send you some tortillas and some... Uh, well, we'll wait till you get out. We'll suss it. Yeah, man. We'll come, we'll come and do it. It'll be awesome. All right, cuz. Awesome. Thank you, bro. Take care, man. Thank you. Turbo. See ya. <laughs>